We live in a society that loves to be instant. And by that I mean we live in an instant society. I mean, I, I grew up with instant grits, okay? Uh, but, but our society has become far more now oriented. I mean, you can, you can take your cell phone. You don't even need the TV anymore. You can take your cell phone and you can be connected instantly any place in the world, to anyone in the world that has a cell phone. It, we live in an instant society. We, we, we have endless information at, 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 at our beck and call, at the tips of our fingers, literally. I mean, you can punch, punch. It's just, I mean, I love it, okay? I, I, used to, I love books, okay? I, I've, I'm not going to give up books. But, but you can, in a matter of moments, you can find what you need to find. Just tap, 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 tap. It's, it's amazing. We, we watch the news, and we don't watch most of the time what happened yesterday. We're seeing it live, what's happening right now. Uh, over the last few months, we've watched what's taking place in, in Egypt and in Syria, and, and we're seeing it live. It's instant. Most of you know you can go to Walmart and buy instant food. Okay, and, and, and we're losing, you know, this is, a, this is a personal thing here. We're losing the art of cooking, okay? There's a generation that will arise that won't know how to cook, okay? If Walmart doesn't sell it and you can't pop it in the microwave, won't be able to do it. So we, we, we live in a society that, 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 you know, is just, in, everything's instant. We have instant messaging, instant texting, uh, you know, Instant email. And what's happened is we've grown used to this. Now tell me if this is not true. When you can't get what you want instantly, what happens? You get a little impatient, don't you? We all do. We all do. When we don't get what we want, when we want it, we, we become impatient. And what has happened is this kind of Instant thinking has given us the idea that we can become immediately successful. In other words, I can be successful in an instant. I mean, and there are people that have put videos up on uh, YouTube and, and they've, they've become famous, but not necessarily successful, okay? People want immediate success. They, you know, I'll never forget some of the young men that would come to work when when I was running a plumbing crew. They they wanted to be the they wanted to be the lead plumber in two days. People want the the corner office immediately. They they don't want to 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 climb the ladder. They want it now. And a lot of young people enter adulthood, and they expect to live at the level their parents have spent a lifetime living at. They want to be successful. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be successful. That's not what I'm talking about. It's, it's just understanding that it doesn't happen instantly. It's a process. But yet we want it right now. We don't want to start at the bottom. You know, the bottom's not a fun place. When we planted this church, we started at the bottom. It was not fun. Okay? It may have been for you, but it was not for me. It was stressful. And there are times when it's still stressful because we're just two years old. We're just barely off the bottom of the starting blocks, okay? And so it's still stressful. But, you know, in my mind, you know, I'll just be honest with you. I, I had these visions of grandeur, okay? Thousands and thousands and thousands. And that's not reality. It's ones and twos. That's the way God builds uh, success, ones and twos. And so, but we, 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 we're, we're used to having everything when we want it, but there's no such thing as instant success. Success really is achieving what you aim at. It's, it's putting a goal out there and going after it. Now, there are people that uh, may say, well, what happens if I win the lottery, I'll be successful. No, you'll just have lots of money. Well, you know, maybe I get discovered on YouTube. Well, maybe you will. But it, that doesn't guarantee that you'll be successful. Well, what if I, I get on uh, 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 America's Got Talent or American Idol? Well, the reality of it is, is the people that actually make it very far on those shows have put a lot of time into what they do. They just didn't stand up, open their mouth, and start to sing. They didn't, uh, they didn't just... 
they practice their craft is what I'm saying. So it, it's not instantly. Now, the success or, or success is really the result of hot, hard work. It's not instant acclaim. You know, people will pat you on the back and tell you how wonderful you are, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily successful. And what has happened is that idea has spread into the church. Success, I mean, the vast majority of people who attend church on any given Sunday have this idea that if I come on a regular basis and I sing the songs and I listen to the sermon and I put my money in the offering plate, then I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a disciple. And that's not true. Now, this may be a little hard sermon, okay? But this is reality. This is the world we live in. That, you know, if I do the right things, then I must be this. Well, you know, I can quack, and I can flap my arms, and I can waddle around, but I'll never be a duck, okay? That's just reality. And so we've come to believe that. And, and what's happened is discipleship has become really an archaic word. It's a word that we don't really want to talk about, we don't want to hear about, but it's what Jesus has called us to become. He's called us to be disciples. Most people want to read a book or go to a class. Twelve steps to be a disciple. Discipleship in 30 days. I mean, I don't know if these are titles of book, but if they're not, they will be eventually in the Christian stores because this is the mindset of the church. And what's happened is, because of this mindset, the church is filled with babies. Okay, now this may make you mad, but this is reality. It's babies who want what they want, when they want it, and they want it right now. How many of you have ever, well, all of you have. How many of you have ever been around a baby? When a baby gets hungry, what does it do? When their diapers are dirty, what do they do? When not, they don't want to go to sleep and you want them to go to sleep, they cry. And what do they do when, I mean, the only time they don't cry is when they go to sleep. But what has happened is, the church has become filled with babies, babies with dirty diapers, okay? Babies with spit up on their bibs, babies who are hungry, babies who've gorged themselves on milk, babies who refuse to share or play with other babies, babies who snatch toys from other babies, babies who cry, babies, babies, babies everywhere. And you know what all those babies want? They want what they want. And folks, that's not the church, that's a part of the church, and, and every healthy church has babies, okay? And here's why. Because we are called to share the gospel, and, and evangelism births babies. But if all we do is share the gospel, and we never disciple, what happens is we, we develop a congregation of babies, and what happens is those babies never go out and evangelize. And church becomes all about me. I don't like that music. I don't like that preacher. I didn't like his sermon. I didn't like the temperature. It's too cold this morning. It's too hot this morning. If you're here today, it may be cold right now, but it will change, okay? I don't like the way the chairs sit. I don't like the way the chairs are set up. I don't like the food. I could go on and on and on, Okay? I've been in ministry a long time. I've heard all the excuses. But what that is, is it's about me. And folks, church is not about us. We meet to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, so that we can take the church out there. The church is about those who have yet to hear the gospel. One of these days, we will all get... To eternity. And for those that know Christ, you will enter into a reward. God will give you what you need and what you've earned and what you deserve. But on earth, that doesn't usually happen. And it certainly shouldn't happen in the church. The church, like I said, is a nursery. It is a nursery, okay? We, we do have young Christians and we do have physical babies. That's just a part. But here's the thing. True evangelism produces babies. But God never intended for those babies to remain babies. 
The church is here to transform those babies into mature spiritual adults. Or we don't accomplish what we've been put here for. We have babies in the pulpit. Okay? We have babies in the pew. It, it, it's, it's, not, you know, it's not just maturity here and immaturity there, immaturity there and maturity, whatever. Either way. We've got babies in both places, what I'm trying to say. And not, the fact is, is that immaturity is a mark of a baby. Consistent discipleship, though, is the mark of a maturing believer. And I'm going to talk a little bit about discipleship this morning, just simply because we're about to start our small groups. And that's how we, that's how we disciple. And it's important. That's not the only way we disciple, but it's important. Now, none of us have it all together, okay? There's not anyone in this room that, that is at the level of Christianity, okay? There is no level like that. We, we're all messed up, amen? Well, if y'all are not, I am, okay? So that makes at least one of us messed up. We're all messed up. We're all babies in different areas. But none of us should be babies in all areas, okay? So there, there needs to be maturity. None of us have arrived. And, and listen, Christianity is not synonymous with maturity. In other words, when you get saved, when you come to Christ, you don't go poof into this, this mystical person who has, it every, has everything together and knows everything. And here's, here's the truth. You know what? You can go to seminary. You can spend your life studying Scripture, and you won't know everything about God. The more I learn about God, the less I realize, I mean, the more I realize how little I know. Okay? I'm amazed sometimes when, when I read something that I've read a hundred times, and all of a sudden I get it. It's like, duh. It's like God's going, duh. But, I mean, that's, you know... So it, it, it matters not what degree you got. It just matters how you walk with Jesus. He is maturing us. He is conforming us, transforming us into His image. And so, this probably, this, if I haven't upset you yet, this probably will, okay? There are two kinds of Christians in every church, okay? Attenders and disciples. Now, there's a third group, and that's, that's those that are visiting and checking things out and seeing if this is the church God's calling to. Or there are people who are lost and haven't become followers of Christ yet. But as far as Christians go, in every church there are attenders, those who attend, and those who are becoming disciples. Now, attenders come and they use the resources, but they're unwilling to commit to the purpose of the church. They're there and they have their big toe in the water. But they won't cannonball on in. You know, they won't just bail on in. They won't jump in. They, 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 they give. Okay? But they're just not, they're not committed. They won't say, yes, I'm all in. They're holding back. They're attending. Now, they refuse really to take the step to become disciples. And 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 and, and a, and a a disciple, by definition, is a student, a learner, a pupil, someone who is an apprentice. When I went into the plumbing trade, uh, you say, well, Nelson, how did, how did that happen? Well, I got a job at SIPCO, first job out of high school, and uh, I went to work. I was on the 11 to 7 shift, yes. I think it's 11 to 7. It's the late one. And I'm just a farm boy, okay? And there's lots of fire and lots of noise. And I couldn't hear myself think. And you know what? It scared me to death. And I thought, you know what? If I'm going to die working, it won't be here. <laughs> okay? I, I, it, it, it just wasn't that important to me. And I needed a job, but it just, it, it just wasn't for me. I wasn't wired that way. And so I lasted one night. I think I paid for my steel-toed boots. That, uh, that I, don't even, I don't even think I got a check, okay? And a guy called me two or three days later and offered me a job in the, in the plumbing trade. And so I went to work. And I became an apprentice. And, in, and for 
at least a year, I was an apprentice. I had to, I, I went with a plumber and, and learned the trade. And folks, that, I was a disciple. That's literally what I was. I didn't do it right, he let me know about it. And I had to do it again. And, and that's what discipleship is. It, it's training, it's teaching. It, a disciple is committed to knowing and following Christ and making and maturing other disciples in the process. Now eventually I moved from an apprentice to a journeyman. And I began to do the work on my own. And then eventually, I took the test and paid the money and, and became a master plumber. Which the only difference between a master plumber and a, most journeyman plumbers is they've paid the money and taken the test, okay? <laughs> That's it. That's it. I know journeymen that, that can plumb circles around masters. So it's not, it's not that way. But, but the reality of it is, is, is there's a process that we go through in almost everything. There was a time in our country when sons apprenticed to their fathers. They learned the trade that their father knew. Their father had learned it from his father and his father and his father. And, and they went through a period of time where they were apprentices, where they were disciples, pupils, students. That's not necessarily the case anymore. And, and you know, there's good things about that and bad things about that. But the reality of it is, in almost in every job you go to, there's a period of time where you have to learn that job, the do's and the don'ts. And there's usually somebody there to teach you. And so, in Jesus' day, the pupils of a teacher would leave their home, and they would walk with that teacher. They would live with that teacher. In essence, they would travel with him. And so they, they not only sat in his classes, but they observed how he lived his life. And so when Jesus comes, what does he do? He calls his disciples, and what does he say? Come and follow me. And for what happens for three and a half years? They follow him. They go with him. They eat. They sleep. They do everything together. When it comes to, to, to ministering to people, he teach them, teaches them how to minister to people. When, when he casts out demons, he teaches them how to do that. They watched him do it. And I, I don't, you, you may be different from me, but that's how I learn. You can tell me how to do stuff. You can just go on and on. And that's because I'm not an uh, audio. I think that's the word. I, I'm a visual kind of person. Some of you are audio, and you can read it or hear it, and you're good. It just confuses me. I need to see it. And once I've seen it, now I'm, I'm okay. I may have to see it two or three times, but I've got it. And so what happened is Jesus taught his disciples. He taught them with his words, and then he demonstrated it with his life. And they learned to imitate him. Literally, the, uh, the follower means to mimic. They learned to mimic Jesus. And, and that is the way Christianity was to be taught. This generation was to teach this generation. And this generation, this generation. And this generation, this generation. Until eventually get to us. Somewhere along the way, It got sidetracked, okay, somewhere along the way. And what happened is we have, we've made discipleship something you do in a class or reading a book rather than a lifestyle that we walk. Now, disciples eventually become the teachers. It's a normal, natural process. Babies... Never do anything but what babies do, okay? Babies never teach anybody anything. You know what? You don't have to teach a baby to cry, amen? You don't have to teach a baby to be selfish, amen? They come here that way. But what happens in discipleship, at a point, that baby becomes a toddler, and that toddler becomes an adolescent, and that adolescence becomes a teenager, and eventually that adolescence matures, and then all of a sudden, somewhere along the way, that person begins to teach other people. Now, here's something you need to realize. At whatever level you are at, you are teaching a group of people. There are people watching you, every one of you. I've told this story before, I think, but I'm going to tell it again. On a, on a plumbing job we were on, 
I had a guy come up to me, and he was a, he was a, a, a drywall hanger, a sheetrock man. And his eyes were bugged out, and he goes, what's wrong with you? And I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking, what's wrong with you, bud? You know, I mean, he's just, no, what's wrong with you? And, and you know, in the, in the, in the building trade, you, you, there are three folks, three different trades you don't mess with, okay? That's sheetrock hangers, uh, block men, bricklayers, and roofers. Okay, you just don't mess with those guys. They're they're just a lot stronger than they look, and they they live out on the edge. Most of them do. Okay, <laughs> and they can hurt you really quick. <laughs> okay, and so I I was I thought well this this old boy must be on something. And he just gave I me mean, he just I said man what are you talking about? He said well you don't cuss your man. And I was I was running a crew. I said no I don't. He said well what's the deal? <laughs> I said, well, I said, I don't think it does any good. And he shook his head. And he said, yeah, but what is, what's the deal? You, you don't, I don't hear you doing that. I don't hear you screaming and yelling and all that stuff. I said, well, I'm a Christian. Oh, I knew there was something. And off he went. Now, listen, two or three days later, I blew it and had to go to him and apologize, okay? I'm not going to tell that story. But... You know, I'm just, <laughs> he borrowed a machine he shouldn't have borrowed, and, <laughs> and I messed up. Anyway, what I'm saying is, there must have been two or three hundred guys on this job. I didn't have a clue anybody was watching me. And I realized that day that, you know what, people are watching me. You know what, our kids watch us. We're discipling them into what we know and who we are. That's why when they grow up, they sound just like we sound. They say the same things we say. They do the things that irritate us so much because guess who they learned it from? Us. So we are discipling. But as a disciple, the more you get to know Christ, the more you begin to act like Christ. The more you begin to do the things that, that Christ does. Our thinking, our actions, our feelings, our lifestyle starts to mirror Him. We become like Him. We begin to, 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 as we begin to follow Christ, we begin to, to, to react, not so much react, but respond differently in situations. One of those reasons is because we learn what Jesus would do. That, that was a good question several years ago. What would Jesus do? You know, that's a good question to ask. But I'll tell you something. As you get to know Christ, you know almost immediately what Jesus would do because the Holy Spirit has been placed in us to guide us. And so Jesus said, you know what? I'll be with you. I'll give you the power that you need to do whatever I call you to do. But we have to fulfill the cycle of making disciples. If we don't make disciples, the next generation will not understand how to succeed They won't know what to do in certain situations. And the babies will become more and more and more. And so this morning, I want to look at a passage of Scripture just for a few minutes. It's it's one I'll guarantee that almost every person in this room could quote me. It's found in Matthew chapter 28, and it's found in verse uh, 19 and 20. We call it the Great Commission. Most of you have heard it all your life. It, it is, is, is used and, and has been used as really a trumpet call for evangelism, a summons to share the gospel with the lost. But in reality, this verse is the purpose of the church. It's not just the purpose of the church. It's, it should be the purpose of every believer in this room. It should be our purpose. Evangelism is really the front door of the Great Commission. Discipleship is the rest of the house. Okay? Jesus didn't just tell his disciples to go and make converts. We're going to look at that in just a moment. As I said, evangelism produces babies. It's how the body of Christ reproduces. Okay? We have to evangelize. It's necessary. It's necessary to share the gospel. Otherwise, the world never hears the story of Jesus. But folks, discipleship produces believers who will go and evangelize. 
Now, do, you, do you see the problem here? We have churches full of people who have never shared their faith. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know. But, 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 but that's because they have never matured as a disciple. And folks, if we don't evangelize and we don't share the gospel and we don't take those baby believers and disciple them, we disappear. You say, well, the, the, God's Word says that, that the church... Well, I understand what God's Word says, but the church, for the most part, disappears. There's a group here and a group there and one way over there, but there'll be a whole lot of buildings with big crowds that could have been any other kind of meeting rather than church. Folks, we have to evangelize. We have to reproduce. But we can't evangelize if we don't disciple because we don't know what to do. Does that make sense? I'm stumbling all over the place this morning, but, but God's just pouring this into my heart. If, if we don't go and, and, and tell the world and then take those that we've told and teach them all that Jesus taught us, they will never go and tell anybody else. And our work will end right there. Folks, evangelism suffers when discipleship ceases. That's just the bottom line. If we don't disciple believers, we fill our churches with babies who don't know Jesus very well. I'm not saying they don't know Jesus. I'm just saying they don't know Jesus as well as they need to know Him. And therefore, they don't have anything to share. Or they're filled with fear. Now, Jesus put it this way. In the Great Commission. He said in verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Then he says this, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Sadly, many groups have majored on the go. Or to go, 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 go. And they've neglected the make. Now, I'm not going to get a lot into this, but the grammar of, of, the, of the verse takes the two words and connects them. Go make disciples, not go make converts. Go make disciples. You know, a convert is one who has changed their mind. But a disciple is one who's being conformed to the image of of Jesus Christ. You have to be a convert to become a disciple, but it's not enough to get converts. We must take the converts and disciple them into mature believers so that they in turn see how it works. We we it just it's it's like reproduction. You just reproduce. You grow. A disciple is a maturing believer who knows and follows and imitates his teacher. It's interesting here that Jesus gives a command, not a suggestion. Okay? It's not an option if I'm a believer. I'm to go and make disciples. You say, well, I don't have the gift of teaching. I probably don't either. Okay? He didn't say that. He said, you learn all that I've taught you, and then you teach them all that I've taught you. You see, we, we reproduce what we've learned. Now, Jesus commands us to make disciples. In other words, to, to train up men and women and boys and girls who imitate or mimic Jesus. And what's happened in the church is we've not done that very well. And the world can't see Jesus in us. They've got a mixed picture of who Jesus is. Now, the world, when they see Jesus, when they hear Jesus speak, when they read about Jesus, when they see the love of Christ portrayed, they're drawn to it. But sadly, a lot of what we call Jesus is not Jesus. I've said this before. When you go to Walmart and you treat the people that work there uh, badly, you're not imitating Jesus. When you rush into the, the garden center and don't even speak to the little guy or the little man there that's 
welcoming people and, and because you've you got to get in there and get out so you can get to the restaurant or get to church. You're not imitating Jesus. When, when your waitress is having a bad day and, and you say, well, you know what, I'll tip her for what she's worth. Look, she makes minimum wage. Okay? Or less. No, I'll take, let me take that back. She doesn't even make minimum wage. Uh, there's no portrayal of Jesus. And I could go on and on, but I don't need to there. Because I'm going off on a rabbit trail. I don't need to go on. I've got to get back to this. But here's the deal. A disciple acts. I mean, he does. And he thinks like his master. A follower mimics the one who's leading him. Now, the key to this verse, and I think the key to discipleship, is this phrase that we find at the latter part of it. And, it's, and this is it. He says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Okay? Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Folks, all of us have been taught a little here and a little there. Amen? I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting not to go somewhere. I'm going to stay where I'm at, okay? So I'm, there's a battle going on in my head up here. You just be aware of that. You can probably tell. But we've grown up in churches that for the most part have minored on the majors and majored on the minors. We've made big things out of little things in Scripture, and little things in Scripture, we've made huge things. I mean, that's the reason there are so many different groups and denominations, is, is we can't agree. Now, the reality is we've been taught step by step, most of us, how to do evangelism. I mean, we've learned, we've learned Romans Road, or we've learned Evangelism Explosion, or, or, and there's nothing wrong with those programs. They're great programs. But look, we, we don't understand a lot about what an intimate relationship with Jesus is all about. We've been schooled in end-time events, and I know, I, I mean, I, I know some of you are lapping that stuff up, but listen to me. Jesus is coming back. And He could come back at any moment... Therefore, I am to be about the Father's business at every moment. I don't need to worry what happens in Syria. Jesus is still Lord. Okay? I don't have to, I don't have to, you know, I, I was trained in that stuff to look for this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. The problem is, is I got a step-by-step guide with what's going to transpire, but in most cases, I don't have a basic understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what He's called me to do. You, you see where we're out of balance We've been schooled in do's and don'ts. My gosh, I grew up. You don't do this, 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 you don't spit, you don't chew, you don't go with girls that do. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. And for me, Christianity was, I mean, seriously, as a teenager, Christianity was about don't. What's your religion, Nelson? It's the don't religion. We don't do anything. I mean, that's how I grew up. Now, you know, there are rules. Please understand me. There, there are things God tells us don't do. But there are a lot of things God says, have a go at it and enjoy yourself. But we, 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 we've made the do's and the don'ts, everything. And folks, we don't even understand grace. We don't understand the freedom that Jesus has given us through His death on the cross. We, we don't have a clue about it. We've been drilled on what life's going to look like in heaven. I mean, we, 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 most people can tell you all about streets of gold and the mansion they're going to have there and uh, all that stuff. But we don't even know who Jesus really is or what He's done for us personally. Or the abundant life that, that we're free to enjoy right now, right here. The problem is, is we've majored on the minors. I think I said that right. Yeah. And we've minored on the majors. We've, we've not taught ourselves and we've not been taught all that Jesus taught his disciples. And it's, it's interesting. The problem is, 
Jesus didn't say, teach them to observe some of these things. They need to know eschatology. They need to know what's, when the end's going to come. You remember one of the last questions, some of the last questions is to say, well, Lord, tell us when these days are going to come. Says, Don't worry about it. You know, just follow me. Just walk with me. Peter goes, Lord, what about John? They're walking down the beach. Jesus just restored him. He says, what about this guy? Hey, don't worry about it. If, if I want him to stay until I come back, that's okay. You follow me. And so we've, we've, we've majored on things that, that we don't need to major on, and we've just observed some. And here's the, the definition of all. All means all. And that's all all means, okay? I was taught that by a Ph.D., so it's got to be true. <laughs> but it really is. All means all, okay? It's one of the best things I got in this class. When the Bible says all, it means all. It means everything. And that everything is, is how to love God. See, we have to learn how to love God. And most of us are limited in our ability to love God because of, of the way we love other people or, the, or the, of the love we've been taught by other people. And see, the, lo- the love of God is limitless. It's like a pool with no bottom. God wants us to learn what intimacy with Him is and what relationship is. God wants us to learn our identity, who we are and who He is. He's given us gifts. He wants us to understand those things so we can use them. He he wants us to to know how to pray. I I just find it fascinating in Scripture that the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to preach. Is that what they said? No, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. I got to stop that thought. I don't want to say that, okay? But we need to learn to pray. Anybody can preach. Okay, you can learn the techniques and, 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 the, and the method of putting together a sermon and you can proclaim whatever you want to proclaim. But not everybody knows how to pray. You see, you learn to pray, it's, it's caught, it's taught by watching somebody else pray. Folks, we need to learn how to heal the sick. We've lost the ability to do that. You say, well, it's this and this and this. Listen, here's the problem. About the third or fourth century, something happened in the church, and the ability to do that got vested in one position, and everybody else lost the discipleship of how to do it. And guess what happened? They lost the ability. Maybe God will help us rediscover the ability again so that we can disciple ourselves and one another. They, they, they lost the ability to cast out demons. Listen, Jesus sent them out to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to cast out demons, and to heal the sick. Over and over and over. That was the ministry of the church. That was the ministry of, of the apostles and the disciples. But you know what? Now we've gotten to the place where mm, that's just for certain people. Folks, whenever we encounter the enemy, we are to stand firm. All right, I preached on that all summer long. We are to stand firm. We are not to give him ground. It's our heritage to deal with him. Jesus destroyed him, okay? He, Satan has power, but he no longer has any authority. Jesus has given us both authority and power, okay? But we haven't been taught that. Here's what we've been taught. We need to dig down in that foxhole and pray that the Lord comes back in a hurry. Just hold on till Jesus comes. Folks, that's not what Scripture teaches. Jesus told, it said this about the church, that the gates of hell will not prevail against them. We're to be kicking down the doors of hell. We're to be kicking those gates off the hinges so that the captives that are held there can come forth and be set free. But folks, we've just been taught a little bit. We've gotten some of the, a few of the majors and some of the minors and and, and Jesus said, look, I want you to understand all of this. We, we need to understand how to serve other people rather than be self-serving. We know how we need to be able to care for the helpless. In case you haven't noticed, there are a lot of helpless people around. We need to be able to care for the hopeless. There are a lot of hopeless people around. Yes, we need to understand evangelism and how to share the gospel. But let me just tell you something about evangelism. Bottom line, 
if you love Jesus and Jesus has changed your life, you have a story to tell. Okay? You don't have to know every verse that fits in every situation. You just need to know a verse or two or at least be able to find them in Scripture. Share your story. The Holy Spirit will use your story. He will use you if you will open your mouth. He will put in your mouth what needs to be said. Now, there's nothing wrong with evangelism programs. I've been through a lot of them. They're they're good tools to have in your box. But if God has saved you, you don't have an excuse not to share the love of Christ. Folks, we need to understand the end times. We need to be wise as serpents. But we don't need to be just laser focused all the time on that to the, to, to the point that we forget that, you know what, this guy's hungry. This lady just needs a phone call. This person needs a, hu- a hug. You know what? Whether Jesus comes back in the next five minutes or not, that person will still be hungry. That person still will need a hug. That person will still need a kind word. That's what we're here for. They need to see the love of Jesus. Folks, we need to understand Christ better. And the problem is that, that, is that we've been taught some rather than all. And our goal here at, at this church is to make fully formed disciples. Okay? Now, in saying that, I realize that's more than I can do by myself. It's going to take all of us to get to that place. It's going to take every one of us to be able to, to make disciples. We, we, we're discipling each other. I learn from you. You learn from me. We learn from each other. But that's our goal. Is to, is to t- Jesus says, I want you to teach them all that I've taught you. Literally, he says this. He says, teaching them to observe. And that word observe means to guard. You see, what we don't guard, we lose. You, you do realize that, don't you? If we don't guard it and we don't hold it as important and valuable... We tend to neglect it, and over time it gets covered with dust and it gets lost. Folks, that's what the Reformation was all about. This book had been lost. See, most people don't realize this. When Martin Luther came uh, to prominence, the only people that had access to this book were some priests. Many of the priests couldn't even read They just knew some Latin words that they had memorized. There was only a handful of people who could actually read the Word of God. It had been taken out of the hands of the people. And one of the things he did is he restored that. And what had happened is salvation had become a a work of... I mean, it had become a work. You were saved by your works and you were kept by your works. Except that's not what Scripture taught. Scripture taught that salvation comes... By faith. And there were lots of other things that were lost that we are still yet to discover. Why? Because we didn't guard it. You know, there are things that that people literally have died for. Most of the guys in the Reformation burned at the stake, beheaded, rope tied around their neck, drug into the river, and drowned. Why? So that people like us could regain the truth of Scripture. So that we could have all that Jesus had taught His disciples. But the problem is we haven't observed it. We haven't guarded it. And what happens is when we don't guard, we lose. Now, we believe at this church that it's essential for every believer to continue to grow. There never gets to be this place okay none of us have arrived here we're all learning we're all students but when believers become disciples they are changed into servants and when a person becomes a servant God makes them a leader that's how God works he uses servants to lead 
And when those servants become leaders, they become missional. In their mind, they understand why we are to go and why we're to make disciples. And what happens is they lead the lost to faith in Christ. And then they, they pour out their life into that person. And that person matures. And you know what they do? They become servants and they become leaders and they go out and they pour their life into other people and they disciple and they mature. And the church continues to grow and it continues to be strong. Now, the methods of discipleship come in a lot of different forms. There's lots of different ways to make a disciple. Uh, Some of the best disciple making happens one-on-one. Just you and another person. Uh, Sunday school. I grew up in Sunday school. A lot of the doctrine and the theology I learned, I learned in Sunday school. Nothing wrong with Sunday school. Uh, specialty classes, they're good. And you, and you get discipled. Conferences, seminars, all those are good things. Here at this church, because of different things and a, and a, and a belief, we use small groups. Now, The reason we use small groups, I'm going to share with you. But we've chosen to use those because we believe that's a way to make fully formed disciples. Does that mean Sunday school is wrong? No. But in case you hadn't noticed, we have two rooms. This one and one way down the end of the building. We're trying to teach from nursery to sixth grade in one big room. It's cordoned off. We don't have 100 Sunday school classes. So Sunday school is not really an option for us. We decided to do it in small groups. Now, the reason is because discipleship is not instant. It doesn't happen all at once. It's a lifestyle. It's lifelong. Folks, if we stop learning, we die. You do realize that, don't you? You die. One of the goals of my life is always to be a student. No matter where I go or whatever I'm supposed to be doing, I'm trying to learn. Uh, Last... Well, this past May, I went to Mexico uh, to, to teach a pastor's conference. You know what my desire was? It wasn't to teach those guys anything. It was to learn from them. You say, well, what, what have they got to teach you? Uh, you know, I, I've never lived in the children's department of my church because I didn't have enough money to buy a house. I know a pastor who's been there 10 years. He's, he lived in the children's department eight years. You say, I can't believe it. He loves Jesus. You know what? I can learn from that. I know two other pastors are doing that right now there. And so that was one of the things God taught me. He says, you know, don't talk to me about sacrifice. Let me show you some sacrifice. See, we can always learn. None of us have ever arrived or will arrive. There are no experts. Listen to me. There are no experts in the Christian life. If somebody tells you they are an expert, run for your life. There are no experts. And we use small groups, and I'm going to give you a few reasons, and I'm going to be quiet. We use small groups because they enable us to build relationships. That's the primary reason. You know what? You can build relationships at a house with a group of people much better than you can build a relationship in here. Now, we'll build relationships here. But you know what? You're guarded here. Amen? You're not going to say but certain things. You're not going to do but certain things in a group this large. Because although it's safe, it's not that safe. But when you get to know people, and you get to know their heart, you know what? You find out whether it's safe or not. And so small groups provide places where you can, you can get to know somebody else more intimately and you build friendships. They give us the ability to focus on subjects that honestly I can't cover in an hour. Now here's what I've learned in ministry. I can teach for 45 minutes to an hour and pick it right back up next week and most of the people who heard it last week will have forgotten a lot of what I said you understand what I'm saying? We just we can't cover certain subjects. Uh, it gets miscommunicated. There, there, there are things that in a small group, though, you know what? You can camp out on a subject. You can ask questions. Listen to me. There are no stupid questions. If I don't know it, it's not a stupid question. Okay? So in our small groups, ask a question if it doesn't make sense. That's what I do. 
you know, we can ask questions. We can discuss it. We can, we can learn from one another. We can even disagree. Hallelujah. Imagine that. A church where we don't agree on everything, but everybody loves everybody. And I respect you enough to, to, to respect your position, although I may disagree with it. Or you love me enough to respect my position, and you may disagree with it. We don't all have to disagree. I mean, we don't all have to agree. We're not all cookie cutter. Amen? Some of y'all are smiling real big. I understand. It's okay. It's a place where we can experiment. What do you mean, Nelson? Well, when you're, when you're teaching on the gifts, you can practice on each other. How many of you realize that, that practice makes perfect? I may have a gift, but I may not know how to, to use it. And I get to practice on somebody and learn what you do and you don't do. I've learned, you know how I've learned not to do certain things when I preach? By doing those things while I was preaching. That's why a while ago I was talking about what's going on in my head. There's, there's a highway in my head that says all kind of things, and I have to decide, is that wise to say in front of a group of people? Is that, would, would that communicate to ladies? Would that communicate to guys? I could say this to teenagers. They'd love it. Their parents wouldn't. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? It's not, it's not that it's wrong. It's just, so that, you know, that's all that's going on. But, you know, in, in a small group, you can, you can just say it. You can experiment. You can try things out. Example, we're, we're going to do a small group on worship. Well, you're going to be able to experience, try some things that you might not ever feel like trying in here. Some of you, your hands don't go this way. They go to right here. But you know what? You can try that in a small group. Nobody will ever see you. And you might like it. And you might not. We're going to do a small group with healing. You know what? We're going to try some things out. We're going to experiment. They may work and they may not work. But you know what? We haven't failed. We've just We've practiced. I could go on and on and on. But it gives you a safe place to do those things, a refuge to fail. None of us got up the first time and walked. All of us fell over and over and over. But we kept getting up. Folks, the Christian life is learned that way. We fall, but we get up. We get up. We get up. See, you're not going to fail at it. It's just, small groups are not just a place to go listen to a lecture, okay? They're a place to get involved. Now, they give us the ability, like I said, to cover classes that we can't do in an hour. It gives us the ability to ask and and to discuss and all those kinds. It enables us, and here's the place where we're at and the place I hope we will go. We have a good uh, buy-in from, from our folks. But here's, here's the, the bottom line with small groups. Our small groups are so that we can invite our friends and our family and our neighbors and our work associates who don't go to church to come to a safe place so that over time we can build a relationship with them and introduce them to Jesus. See, there are people that are not going to come in here first. They're going to have to be reached by friendship, by relationship, before they feel safe enough and secure enough to come into to the, to, to an actual worship service. And small groups give us that place because we can build real friendships and real relationships which are based on genuine love. Now, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I don't know how else to say this, but the church is notorious for going out with one thing in mind, and that's to get a confession of faith. I'm going to pin you to the wall. I'm going to share Jesus till you say yes and pray. And then they're gone. Folks, that's not what they did in the early church. They built relationships. They loved people. Whether that person ever came to Christ or not, they loved them. And folks, we have to get back to that place where we love people 
Not for what people can do or what we can get out of people, but simply because they are created in the image and the likeness of God. That's the bottom line. And when we start to love people that way, you know what? We'll build friendships and we'll build relationships. And at some point in the natural way things work, they'll ask you a question. Or you'll get a door that opens up and you'll say, you know what? This happened in my life, and let me tell you what Jesus did. It's it's natural. Evangelism is natural. But it's not natural if there's no relationship. Okay, it's forced. Now, I'm not saying there aren't times when you share the gospel, because there are. But the vast majority of times, you do it because you've built relationships. It's far more successful when we do that. Now, I'm going to finish up and be done. Here's what I've learned is that people who know you love them and care about them as a person will listen to what you have to say. That's just the bottom line. You have to demonstrate the love of Christ before you can earn the right to share the love of Christ. And we've not done that very often. Every person in this room, I believe, ought to be involved in a small group. We've got all kinds of small groups this time. Some of them meet on Sunday afternoon, Monday afternoon, Thursday afternoon, evening, or it's Thursday evening and Sunday evening and Sunday afternoon. They're all through the week. There's no reason that, that we, we can't all get involved. We need each other, okay? I'm going to teach a, a class, and this is not a commercial, this is just reality. I'm going to teach a class on, on, on recovering healing. And you know what? I need the people that are going to be in my small group to learn from. Because i got questions. In fact, I've got more questions than I've got answers. This is just a heads up for those of you that are going to come to that class. I don't know all the answers. The worship class. We've got, we've got a class for our, 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 our older students and, and, and young professionals. We've got, uh, we've got a, a prayer group that's meeting. We've got a ladies' Bible study. We've got all kinds of, of groups and the desire is to build a relationship so that we can disciple one another, so that we can grow. Folks, we need everybody. I need you. Now, you may not need me, but I need you, okay? We need each other. We're a body. And for that body to function, we need the fingers, the hands, the arms. We need the feet. We need Jesus is our head, but everything else we make up. And we need all of us. Now, so Nelson, why are you telling us all this? Because here's the bottom line, folks. As a church, as a body, we need people who are all in, sold out, okay? If you're here and you're checking us out, you feel comfortable to do that. But a lot of you have been here since the beginning. We need some folks who will take ownership. See, this is not my dream. This is God's dream. Okay? I'm just the mouthpiece for His dream. This is His dream to put together a body of believers who will once again go after Him with all their heart. Who will make this place a refuge, a safe place for anybody that comes in. A place where anybody who comes in can find a safe place and be restored. And out of that restoration, develop a relationship with, with people and with God. That, that's God's plan for this church. Folks, it's going to take all of us to get there. We've got to share the gospel. But that's not enough. We've also got to disciple. We've got to make disciples. And you can't make disciples unless you choose to. Disciples don't just happen. Okay, they're not accidents. They're a choice somebody made. I am where I am today in my Christian life because certain individuals during my lifetime chose to invest their life in me. You're where you're at right now because certain individuals chose to invest their life in you. We pour into each other. See, what we pour into each other continues to go on and on and on. What we keep goes to the grave with us and dies for the most part. Because I I don't know about you, but when I get to that day 
And God says, hey, it's, it's time for you to come on home. I want to be empty. I want to have poured everything that God taught me into somebody else. So that, that my ceiling can be their floor. See, that's, that's the way the church was designed to be built. We reach this far, and the next generation goes from our ceiling, and the next generation from their ceiling. What has happened for hundreds of years is this generation has died, and everybody started over again trying to recover and rediscover and learn because we didn't disciple one another. Because we have to make disciples. We have to make disciples. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.